Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. As parents, or certainly even as grandparents, we have hopes and dreams for the children that are in our lives. Uh, you know, we, we want to and will do just about anything we possibly can to, to try to give the, the children that, that we are connected to the, the best and the best opportunities uh, possible. Now, we can often see just by the personality of a child, we can kind of see um, the trajectory of their life. You know, you, you can just tell with, with some children, you know, they're, they're real go-getters. And, and you can kind of see, wow, th- this kid's going to really get after it. But what, what child ever has had all of the details of their life, of their character um, known before they were even born or even before they were conceived? And, and you know, from a human standpoint, that, that's impossible. That could never happen. Or, or what child has had all of the details of, of their nature, their, their character? Characteristics, their their accomplishments, all, all of the things that that will sum up a life. What child before they're ever born or before they're even conceived is all of that known? Again, humanly speaking, that that has never happened, except on one divine occasion, God revealed the history of, of a life, and and you know the child was not even born. The child not even conceived yet. And yet God intervened and God made it clear that this is going to be this child's life. And that's precisely what we have in the first chapter of, of Luke. Um, you know, with, with the beginning of the New Testament, there is a flurry of supernatural activity. One of the most remarkable demonstrations that God does is he makes prophecies about people who are not yet even born. God tells us things that only God would know. First of all, the angel Gabriel comes to a man by the name of Zacharias, and he tells Zacharias that he and his wife are going to have a child. Now, that's no big news, but this couple was well beyond childbearing age. And his wife, Elizabeth, had been unbarren her, her entire life. She had never been able to have a child. And so the news that they're not only too old to have children and she's been barren, but now they're going to have a child. In Luke chapter one, beginning with verse 15, it says he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. 
That's why he's known as John the Baptist. You know, um, he, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And even before his birth, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and they will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, the angel Gabriel is very active. Just a few verses later, down in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel appears to a, another family, to a, a young woman in the town of Nazareth in the region of Galilee. And there is a young woman who is has never had a, a child. She she's a virgin at this point, and uh, the angel appears to her, and Gabriel says to her that she is favored by God, and that God will be with her so that she will conceive. In verse thirty one of the first chapter, it says, "You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and will be called." Called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this is without a doubt the most astonishing and shocking thing that has ever been said to any woman, that as a virgin, you are going to have a child. It says over in Luke 2.23 that Joseph and Mary were amazed at the things which were being said about this child. Now, Mary would have been very young, probably uh, they estimate she was probably around 13, 14 years old. Um, so so she's young. And in verse 32, it says that he will be great. It doesn't say that people will just automatically think of him great. But the word great here, if, you know, to, to kind of expand it out, means noble, magnificent, distinguished glorious, you know, all of those words kind of sum that up. The greatest child ever born. And, and this isn't something that God does for him. It is something essential to who he is. His teaching was unlike any teaching that had ever been heard. These are just some different things pulled from the Bible. It says, no man spoke as this man. No man ever taught with the authority in which he teaches. No man ever had the insights, the divine knowledge, the truth of, from God to the degree and to the extent that this man did. His miracles prove his greatness. Um, you know, he, he walked on water. He rose from the dead or he rose he raised, boy, he raised people from the dead. Uh, he did healings. He fed thousands. Not only that, he had authority over the kingdom of darkness. And the greatest miracle of all was that he rose from the dead. He shattered the bonds of death and of the grave. He is the greatest child ever born. Now, what makes him great? What, what is it that, that is so remarkable about this, this child, Jesus? Well, first of all, 
He is God. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, what this is telling us, Luke uses the term, the, the son of the most high. Now, the most high was a familiar term among Jewish people for God. He, it means the supreme one or, or the, the greatest. Now, this is a title that was first used clear back in Genesis. In Genesis, God is referred to as El Elyon, which means God most high. So God is the supreme one, the, the sovereign one, God who is above all. And so when it says that he will be called, be called the son of the most high, this is what, what is being intended, what is being given is that Jesus bears the same essence, the, the same characteristics of God, that he, he bears the essence of God most high. This is God. He is fully God. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He is, he is the radiance of God's glory, and he is the exact nature of God. Luke one forty three says, and how um, when when um, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, Mary says, how or excuse me, Elizabeth says, how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She understood that the baby that Mary carried in her womb was God in the flesh. Now, in Luke 2.11, it says, Today, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, I'm just trying to connect all of the dots here that Jesus is God. Now, when the angel came to Joseph to announce the birth to Jesus, the angel said to Joseph, this child will be called Emmanuel. So we, we've heard that term, you know, and so we just kind of go, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I've heard that before. But let's let's try and understand it from Joseph's perspective. The name Emmanuel literally means God with us. El in Emmanuel is the Hebrew title or the Hebrew name for God. So when the angel says to Joseph, this is God with us, he understands the implication. So uh, in Matthew, uh, excuse me, first Timothy 316, it says of Jesus, Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. That is the heart of the Christian faith, by the way, you know, that this child, this person is God. Now, secondly, that makes him unique and makes him the greatest child ever is that he is also man. He is human. Back in Luke one thirty one, it says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. You will conceive in your womb. Now, again, Mary is a virgin. 
she affirms her virginity when she she asks in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The concept, the the conception was supernatural the the rest that followed was normal you know the miracle was in the conception after that she was just like every other lady who has ever had a baby she had stretch marks you know she you know she would sneeze and things would happen you know it, um, you understand if you've ever been around a pregnant lady um, you know it, it, it's just life this was a normal birth. We don't want to think that she floated through and everything was just, you know, it, it, it wasn't. She, she had a pregnancy just like any other lady had a pregnancy. What was supernatural was how it was conceived. In verse 12 of Luke 2, remember the shepherds were told, you will find a baby. They weren't told, you will find an alien, you know, or, or some creature. It was a baby. His human growth was normal. You know, that's why Jesus is our high priest, because he, he experienced life just like you and I experience life. Hebrews 2 verses 17 and 18 say, therefore, it was necessary for him, speaking of Jesus, to be made in every respect like us uh, so that he could bear our, our so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer sacrifices that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. This is so important for us to understand. Jesus experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He was tired. He, he slept. You know, he, he was surprised. He, he knew what it was to be to, to make a joke and to, to, to go through grief. Uh, you know, he experienced everything in life that you and I have experienced. That's why he is our high priest. 1 Timothy 2.5 says he, he is the man, Christ Jesus. Again, he was one of us. So he's God, he's man. And thirdly, he, this announcement by Gabriel to Mary tells us that he was sinless. And again, this is critical to the Christian faith. In Luke 135, it says, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Now, I have to I have to break something to you. None of us have ever experienced this. None of us have ever had a holy child. I know some of you may think so, but none of us have ever had and none of us ever were a holy child. We got the unholy part down. Now, think about it. Jesus never had a bad attitude. He never 
said an unkind word. He never acted in disrespect. He was never disobedient. He was never thoughtless. He was never unkind. He was never selfish. Do you suppose he got picked on a little bit? I think he did. I, I think that he, when, especially when his siblings got up older, they probably made life pretty difficult from time to time. You know, as often as we look at our children or, or even look at ourselves, we see the proof that we are unholy. The challenge, in fact, for, for parents and grandparents is that we pray relentlessly for our children or for the children in our lives to, in fact, become holy, to become godly. You know, we pray that the day will come when they commit themselves to Christ and, and they become justified before God. No child other than this one has ever been without the need of discipline. No child has ever been without the need of correction. No child has ever been without the need of forgiveness or restoration or salvation except this child. Don't you know it was hard to be his parent even? You know, where as a parent, you have to apologize to the child because the parent's not perfect, but the child is. Second Corinthians 521 says of Jesus, him who knew no sin. So he's God, he's human, he's sinless. And then the angel Gabriel tells Mary that the child will be a sovereign Lord or king in verses 32 and 33 says he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. If you look at the genealogy over in Luke three, it's the genealogy of Mary, and it descends from David. So he was born of royal blood. Remember the, the magi who came, the we three kings? I, I do have a question. We three kings of Orientar traveled on a great big cigar. Why? I, I, I don't understand how that works. Um, I, I thought they would use camels. But, the, the you know, when the three kings... And, and why do we say there are three kings? The fact is the Bible doesn't tell us how many, right? There are three kings because there were three different gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There could have been 20 kings. There could have been two kings. We don't know. Um, but I, I love breaking up Christmas thought, you know, traditions. Um, the Magi came from the east, and they recognized by studying the stars, God placed a star in the sky that told them that there was a king that had been born in, in Israel. And so they came to, to see who this king was, and they came to pay honor and tribute to this king. We call him the Messiah. 
And the Messiah means the chosen one or the anointed one. And so it, it makes sense that he is descended from David and that one day he will, he will take possession of a earthly kingdom. But until that happens, he is the king of the spiritual kingdom and of an eternal kingdom. This child is king of kings and lord of lords. You know, again, the word Christ means anointed one. He is royal. Now, it, it, we even sing about it. We sang this morning, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's a king and then joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the earth. The savior reigns. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Uh, you know, we understand, you know, we, we sing about the fact that he is a king. So this is no ordinary child. He is God. He is man. He is holy. And he is sovereign. And finally, and this is the part that we really need to grasp. This is one of the most important things. He is savior. Verse 31 says, you will bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. Is that important that his name is Jesus? You know, they could have named him Frank or Bob or George. Why is Jesus important? Because Jesus, that name means Jehovah saves. When the angel appeared to Joseph in Matthew 121, it says, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall what? Save his people from their sins. Jesus is a great name because it means Jehovah saves. In the Old Testament, it's the name Joshua or Yeshua. And you hear people talk about the Messiah as being Yeshua. Again, every time you say Jesus or Yeshua or Joshua, what you are saying is Jehovah saves. Luke 2.11 says, Today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior. A Savior. We accept and we understand that, that God became human. And we admire the fact that Jesus is perfect. You know, again, none of us have ever experienced that. And we can stand back and look at his sinless life and say, yes, he is holy. And, and, and the fact that he's a king that, you know, that that's that's important. That, that's fantastic. But here's the point. The only way you or I can ever experience him personally, that we can ever have his life impact our life is if we cry out to him for salvation and when we do that, the Bible promises us that he will forgive us our sins. That's exactly why he came. First Timothy one, the first part of verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm a sinner. I need saving. 
Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He is the Savior, and that means that he had to go to the cross. You know, he had to provide the ransom for our sins. He had to be our substitute and die on the cross in our place so that God, having been satisfied because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus' perfect, sinless, holy blood had to be shed so that my sin and your sin could be covered, could be erased. It would have never been enough for Jesus just to come as the God-man if he didn't die and rise again. It's the sum of all of who he is. You know, this amazing announcement that there is going to be a child born of a virgin. He's God, he's man, he's sinless, he's sovereign, and he's savior. This is the most incredible child ever born because the wonder and the greatness of this child we are invited to worship him. This is what the Christian faith is all about, is that we worship this individual. And we can do that now freely. That's, that's why we're gathered here, is to worship this person. You do it now of your own free will, or one day you will do it under duress. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, this isn't something new that's just been added. This is the truth of the Bible. If you read the Bible cover to cover, this is the message that you will get over and over and over again. Now, Mary, no doubt, was amazed being the mother of this child. You know, the, the years that she set, you know, when he was just a toddler, be bopping around in, in the house and, and just seeing how this little baby who is perfect handled life and the, the fact that he had no sin in his life. She, she must have been shocked just raising him. And then when the, the next kids came who were not perfect and just the, the contrast between the two. And then even as he grew and, and she saw the miracles and she, she witnessed all of the, the, the teaching that Jesus gave. And, and there was even a period of time where she and, and Jesus's siblings thought Jesus might've gone off the deep end a little bit. And Mark, it talks about the fact that they thought maybe he had gone a little nuts. And they even came and tried to, to talk him into coming home so that they could shut him up because he was kind of an embarrassment to them. But Jesus stayed true to his calling. And he was eventually put on the cross. And Mary was there at his feet, looking up, seeing this child that she gave birth to and seeing the pain and, and witnessing the agony. And even as he was on the cross, he was still that perfect child with the sin of the world dumped on him. 
And she was in the upper room with the, the, the disciples when Jesus rose from the dead. She experienced that. She saw the empty tomb. She, she experienced him in his resurrected form. How amazed she should have, she was. How blown away by this. And that leads me around to ask this question. How amazed should we be? You know, we, we have the whole story. Mary never got to read the Bible as we do. She never read the book of Revelation. She didn't get to see how this all turns out. All she knew was what she experienced. They didn't understand what it would mean that, that he's the king. She never saw Jesus sit on a throne. They didn't, they didn't have all of it, and yet they were amazed. They were, they were blown away by Jesus. And so again, I ask, how amazed should we be? Because we have the whole story. We have the entire picture. And we have the opportunity to worship Jesus freely. We have been invited to worship this person. And we, we are given an opportunity to give him our very lives. Today, we can embrace him and we, we can know him. But the only way we can truly experience him is when we give our life over to him, when we surrender our will and let God take it. One day he will sit before the world as king and I trust that you know him as Savior. If you don't, I invite you to do that today. I invite you to, to turn your life over to him and say, I want you to be my Lord, my King. I give you my life. He will forgive you. He will take your sin and he'll remove it from you because he is full of mercy and grace. Let's pray. Father, my prayer this morning, this is such a familiar story to us that if we're not careful, we can let it not be as amazing as it should have been. Help us, Father, to truly get it, to truly understand how, how amazing Jesus is. He is God but he is also our high priest. He is a man. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's king. He is our savior. Father, please help us. We are so muddled in sin and muddled in the, the cares of the world that it becomes very easy to, to lose sight of the gloriousness that is Jesus Christ. So help us today to set aside our, our fears and our anger and our frustrations and all of the different things that cloud our understanding and help us to understand Jesus as he truly is. 
And then secondly, Father, please help us, each and every one of us, to gladly yield to him, gladly turn ourselves over to him. He is our Savior. He is our only Savior. And I pray this now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.